Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. How you doing, Dan? Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing good, Bo. How you doing? Good. Uh, so I learned something that apparently is a big deal in the world, and I wasn't aware of it until, like, uh, Sunday. And then you texted me about it independently of when I learned about it, and so we decided to talk about it. And that's the concept of vaccine passports. Apparently, there's this thing going around, and there, I guess there has been for a few weeks now, yep. where it'll essentially be a digital app that you'll have to have on a smartphone, which I already see problems with, in which you somehow upload all of your uh, medical information about getting the vaccine to a database. Theoretically, it should not release any of your personal information because that's a huge violation of privacy from health cons- health standpoint. And then that will allow you to do things like go to the grocery store, travel, go to your job, go to the boxing club, uh, get your hair done, um, and other like basic normal things that humans used to do in the before times. Yep, Only that's the key, man. Trying to get back to normal from the before times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a very interesting concept that I've done not a lot of research into since it came to my attention Sunday. But um, what? Uh, give me your thoughts. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on the notion of uh, of this idea? Yeah. Um. To be perfectly honest, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I can see the pros and cons. And I'm not sure exactly which is the best path forward. On the one hand, uh, you know, everybody's itching to just be able to go and do stuff, you know, and, and not have to worry about the social distancing and the masks and, and everything else. Uh, and to have a, a convenient way to say, uh, yes, I got the vaccine. No, I don't have COVID. I can, you know, be around other people is pretty huge. I mean, that, that's going to bring a lot of people out of their homes <laughs> that have been locked down for over a year now. Um, and it would just, I think it would take a lot of weight off of people's shoulders, psychically speaking. Yeah. So potentially it's a good thing um, if it's implemented correctly. Um, and, and we have a little bit of information on, on some current stabs at it. Apparently Singapore has already done something to this effect, a vaccine passport of sorts. And while they swore, Bo, Bo they swore they wouldn't tell anybody this information, turns out that they, uh, they shared that information with the Singapore police uh, in, I don't know, trying to fight some sort of crime um, and then issued some sort of apology or whatever. And, you know, at Singapore, they roll quite a bit differently over there. And sure. you know, a lot of the, a lot of the freedoms that we assume and enjoy, they they don't participate in those. So it's you know it's kind of their own deal. But it serves as a great example of um, of the the risks and concerns that a lot of people have. Um, you know, if you get yes. a vaccine passport, are the cops going to know my whereabouts? And that's the type of thing that they may not even explicitly talk about. But let's just say hypothetically, a passport app has got location tracking on it. And maybe they'll say it's part of, you know, potential contact tracing or whatever, but it's tracking your movements. And then mm-hmm. that information gets handed over to the police. And now the police are, they, you know, they, they basically have a tracker on you. So that would be a concern. 
Sure. Um, I certainly wouldn't care for that. Additionally, there's concerns of uh, access and if it will create an even greater divide between the quote unquote haves and have nots um, or the oppressed and the oppressors type of thing. Sure. Where and and you know that that kind of lines up the people that are less likely to say you know have their own smartphone or maybe for some other reason they don't want to get the vaccine um, that apparently seems to correlate with um, some of the the you know the minority communities and people that are already feeling a bit of uh, you know unevenness and how this is all playing out. So I think that's you know that's a concern as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, a key to more, you know, freedom in terms of your liberties and just you know, where you can go and what you can do is pretty huge. That's a big carrot to hang in front. And, but, or stay, but in order for that to work, there has to be quite a bit of trust with whoever's implementing it. So I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. It's an interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of threads there. Um, yeah. So the pursuit of life and liberty, or the, so life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That's the fundamental premises of our constitution. Yep. Already, already gives us as Americans the ability to pursue the things that we would want to pursue in life. So my guess is that a, a good number of people who are against this are in part against it because this is a direct infringement upon those principles. Yep. Um, the counter, as I see it, would be, well, there's a pandemic and people who, anti-vaxxers who don't want the vaccine, who are running around screaming about their rights, are just going to infect people, and that's the public health. Something to that effect, maybe. Yeah. And those are two legitimate arguments. Um, I don't know how to solve that that particular problem. It's not clear to me that uh, there are so many people who don't want the vaccine, don't wear masks and are loud about it. That it actually is like a public health problem. As I understand it, that's actually not even a large majority of people um, or a large minority. It's actually a pretty small minority from what I understand. And I don't have any studies offhand that do back that up, but I, I, I'm, I'm I believe I've heard that it, it's south of 10% of the population, which is in line with what you would expect for a fringe idea. I think anti-vaxxers in general are about 10% of the population, as are far-right and far-left extremists on the political spectrum. Like You, you, you tend to get under, in single digits with that sort of thing. And if I can find something, I'll link it in the show notes before we um, we post this, but... Uh, so, yeah, it's it's not clear to me that that's something that's um, a legitimate threat as we're vaccinating, you know, four million people a day or something. Yeah, I think in a pragmatic sense, I mean, let's just say none of those, let's call it 10 percent and none of those people get vaccinated. Um, the numbers I'm hearing are somewhere between 75 to 80 percent of the population gets it a herd immunity. Yep. So, you know, OK, fine. Be an asshole. Don't get a vaccine. That's OK. That's your right to not do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll still be OK because we have enough other people to actually get to a, hum- a herd immunity status. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, you're right. It's not a big threat. Yeah. The w- one thing I would say, and this is more of a semantical issue, is I would push back on asshole because there's some people who can't 
get the vaccine. That's fair. So to be yeah. fair to them, um, you know, I'm, the, I'm uh, speaking. I'm I'm speaking specifically to specific. the assholes. Yeah. yeah. No, if you think yeah, I'm no, talking to you, I probably am. But if you're uh, if you're one of those ones out there um, yeah. making a lot of noise about not wearing a mask, that's pretty asshole. So. No, no, yeah, and I, but I did want to clarify because there are people who can't get the vaccine for health concerns or for health yeah. reasons, and then fair point. And there absolutely, are, I think I think that there are also people out there who rightfully, maybe I think definitely rightfully distrust the medical system, and and secondarily or maybe primary to them, they distrust the new way that the vaccine has been. Both vaccines have been created. Like we're using new technology, and so they want to wait. Right. Yeah, and it's like. You know, those individuals should have the choice to wait and they shouldn't be punished for that. And that should the, be, I think, on the flip side, you have assholes who are like running into stores and are like, fuck you. It's my freedoms. Like, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to spit on everyone. MAGA, you know, like they're you, these conservative, mostly, I think, conservative assholes. And obviously, that's who you're referring to um, them. Yeah, maybe calm the fuck down, like grow up. We're trying to do the best we can here. Um, I don't really like when the government or big tech companies or anyone tries to tell me what to do with my personal freedoms. I have a huge yeah. problem with that. Um, well, however, you know, and here, here's the thing that uh, throughout the pandemic has kind of been a, a wrench in the works of, you know, uh, we'll call it freedom logic, the logic of freedom. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, from, a, I guess, a libertarian standpoint, it's you do whatever the fuck you want to do as long as it doesn't infringe on anybody else's right and, and doesn't hurt anybody else. Like that, yeah. that seems like a pretty simple and fair way to go about your life. Problem is, um, with a pandemic, what you do does affect other people. Mm -hmm. So if we're taking that into account, maybe it does make sense to say, okay, great. You don't have to inject this substance into your body if you don't want to. Sure. But... We don't have to let you fly on this plane. We don't have to let you into the stadium with 30,000 other people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so by, yeah. you know, th those aren't rights. Those are, you know, privileges. If you're going to a private business, then sure. you know, they're allowing you into it. Um, so if you don't get vaccinated, which is your right, uh, you don't get a shop here. Mm -hmm. and uh, at least at first to... blush, that seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, because it's private business. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that that's the, that would, that would be a different, there's obviously a big difference between private businesses make doing what they want. And there's some, some, you know, there's some lines that they can't cross. Like as an example, a private business cannot anymore say that, you know, only whites, no colored people can eat here. Obviously right. that was a thing a long time ago. And yeah. as a private business, that was something that was legal. Um, it is obviously no longer legal. Um, so there are some lines that cannot be crossed. However, um, the issue that I take with private business in particular, big tech is because big tech is the one who's going to be at the forefront of creating some kind of a passport. It's, it's not going to be, you know, the R and D department at target or something, <laughs> right? you know, or, or, or the lady who owns the bakery down on Main Street here in Bothell, it it's going to be Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and the people and these big companies who have already shown who have a, already have a very bad track record when it comes to public trust and and, and privacy. Yeah, like they 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 very obviously tilt one direction politically, which is a problem in and of itself. 
mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether they tilt left or right. And they obviously tilt left. It's like very clearly obvious that they tilt left. Um, but they, they've had multiple breaches of public data or of private data. They've, you know, the, the, the kind of stuff that they do track is absurdly invasive. And if they've been doing it for years and no one pays attention because no one reads their disclaimers, but like there, there's obviously problems there. And it's like, do you, do we want as people, as, as the people, as Americans to essentially give up the right to do things to big tech? I think it's naive to think that a company like Facebook is not as or more powerful than the U.S. government. Oh, correct. They they silenced the quote-unquote most powerful man on the planet, meaning Donald yes. Trump kicking him off of Twitter and all the other platforms. Sure. Yeah. And I think That's even more than that, yeah, I mean, definitely as a flex, and I think even more than that, there was no pushback from it. And maybe fair enough, Trump says a lot of dumb things. So a lot of people were like, good, he shut up. But I don't agree with their decision to do that, but no, not even more so. I think like we, could, Mark- we could say minimal pushback. There was some. Some of the folks yeah, we listened sure. to were, were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. and but he, even more so than that, like Mark Zuckerberg went in front of the Senate like two times in the last six months, and he was grilled fairly hard, but nothing came of it. Yeah. And it's like, so it's not clear to me that, well, I, I do agree that private businesses should be able to operate as they see fit, even if I don't like it. Um, and we can use like the uh, what's that that uh, bakery in some Midwest state that wouldn't bake a cake right. for a gay couple. Yeah, fine. I don't like it. I think it's dumb of them. And I would if I know how to bake cakes, I would have no problem baking a cake for a gay couple. That <laughs> I could care less. Yeah. I, but more power to them. Like that. That's that's his business model. Fine. If it doesn't if it doesn't actually violate any of our state or federal laws, then okay. You're going to get scorned. You're going to lose business. But if that's your business model, like good luck. Yeah. And it doesn't infringe yeah. rights. I think that's a really important thing. Like the hardest yeah. of hard lines is rights and laws. And no matter who you are, you do not have a right to force someone else to bake you a cake. <laughs> that's not how that yes. works. So if you choose to do business with that person, uh, you do mm-hmm. it how how they decide to do it within the law, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. And again, like I said, I don't necessarily agree with the individual owner's decision to do that. I want to make that very clear to anyone listening. But that doesn't mean they should not have the right. I also don't agree with individuals who yell epithets or you know, racial epithets or otherwise, or are mean to people or scream at you know their kids in in the grocery store. But they're allowed to do these kinds of things, and provided it doesn't incite violence or cause anyone to get harmed, I, I think that do your thing. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to reap the the consequences of it. Like that's that's the responsibility that you take when you when you do dumb shit. But um, that's how that's how rights work is you like you don't get one and the other you don't get to have rights and the no responsibilities for those things we talked about this ad nauseum yep. it's you yeah and so we can go down that road later because there's a difference between having responsibilities for the things you say and then social media going on a cancel court you know a cancel culture style like um, rampage that i think has gone out of control which is it's metastasized into a problem. That's a whole separate issue. Um, But yeah. And so it's interesting because with the private business, maybe they should be allowed to not let people who are vaccinated inside of their spaces. But 
And they are. Strictly speaking, they are absolutely within their legal rights to do so. That has been discussed yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And so, okay. Um, you know, a sporting event, that, that seems pretty clear to me. It, it, people can survive without a sporting event, but what about a grocery store? It's not clear to me as of yet that the data shows that people who go into grocery stores who are masked but aren't vaccinated are drastically more likely to get COVID somehow. So that does it extend masked? there? Yeah, like because everyone's been going into grocery stores masked for a year yeah. now. So yeah. it's like, um, does that vaccine does that vaccine passport extend to grocery stores? Can people now not go into grocery stores because they're not vaccinated, regardless of whether they wear a face mask or not? Like there's, those are the questions that I would want answered. What about your doctor's office? Um, if it's not to get a vaccine, what about? Um, to think of other examples of things that people kind of need to do going to the gym. Like to me, that's a need to do sort of a thing. You can, you can go outside and do your stuff as well, but I, I, the, the mental health benefits and the physical health benefits of, of exercise are huge. And yeah. so it's not clear to me that um, segregating the community, dividing it in two, let's say, or in, in not allowing certain people to get into the gym, let's say, to stay healthy and stay sane in a pandemic would be a bad thing to do um, or it would well, be I a good thing the, to do. Like, you The know. first thing that's going to come up with any of that is, well, what have you been doing for the last year? Mm -hmm. Keep doing that. But if it's been nothing. Well, you've survived so far. It's, it's, yeah. not, my, it's not my responsibility to make sure that you can come into my gym. Yeah. I mean, and it, honestly, I think that would really... If it comes to that, I doubt it would, but if it comes to that type of, uh, you know, a lot of people getting up in arms, if anything, it would become a competitive advantage, meaning if, uh, if Safeway decides that you can't come in without your vaccine passport, mm -hmm. then QFC steps up and said, no, just wear a mask. Everybody come on in. And yeah. anybody that's pissed off at Safeway, they're like, oh, and all of a sudden, you know, QFC gets all their business. Sure. Um, although I think they're owned, I think both owned by Kroger, but whatever. You get the idea. Uh, I think it's um, fr Fred Myers and QFC. I think. I think okay, Safeway's okay. separate. Okay. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, that actually that comes into play. Um, for me, the biggest issue seems to be the logistics. It, it's I, I go back to the big tech. Like you know, as you're explaining the the grocery store thing, even then I'm like, okay, fine. It'll it'll create markets. It'll 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 help stimulate economies. It'll help. People choose where they want to go. Hopefully, it'll reduce violence. What I don't want to see is people are like, fuck Safeway. I'm going to go to Safeway just to fuck with their clerks who have to check them in because they're going to have to have people outside checking passports, whatever that is. Right. And then and those people are not going to be tech savvy and trained in de-escalation techniques and you know, former martial artists and MMA fighters. Like these aren't going to be bouncers who understand how to use, <laughs> you know, iPhones and, and Androids like Right, these are going to be your every everyday Safeway clerks, who we've already seen during the pandemic have, you know, gotten in trouble or actually been physically harmed because they told people to put masks on. Can you yeah. imagine what people are going to do when they when they have to show a passport on their phone that shows that they've been vaccinated, and they're concerned about where all that information is going? Like, I could see that creating a problem there. Yeah, for, um, for but, the record, Safeway in no way at this point in oh, time yeah. <laughs> of, uh, of this recording is requiring any sort of passport, so we're not no, researching Safeway. Um, um, yeah, but but Safeway, if you're listening, you should um, your your Kenmore store should uh, buy better meat. 
<laughs> we'll pass that along. <laughs> so just if anyone in corporate Safeway is listening right now, uh, talk to the – or if the manager at Kenmore, I like your store, but y- you need to buy better quality meat. <laughs> um, you get a bad steak or something? They're, they're too thin oh. and they're not, high, they're not high quality. And so I want – better quality meat from them. I, I go to other stores and it's fine. I survive, but it's, uh, it's difficult when I have to go in there and then I'm disappointed every time. <laughs> I think PCC has um, got a pretty good butcher. If I'm not mistaken. I haven't been there. I haven't been there yet, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so I go back to the big tech. That's my biggest issue is, is I don't trust either the government or big tech enough to put them in charge of handling that much data. Yeah, I agree. Because well, okay, like, and what are let, they going to what are they going to require in order to prove that I'm vaccinated? How are they going like they're going to need personal information so that it's not easily um, forged? Like they yeah, have to, hundred percent. And so I don't see how they can get away with this without tying it to my social security number. Well, I mean, it, no matter how you shake it out, it is sensitive medical data. Is yeah. So yeah, and everything that that goes with that to set the context a little bit. Um, Currently, and I, I assume this will stick, but the federal government, the Biden, Biden administration has said that they will not require uh, vaccine passports at the federal level. So that's already been said. Legally, um, they can legally, but they are they saying, can, okay. yeah, um, but they're saying they're not going to. There have been, I believe, two states, uh, Texas and Florida, big surprise, that have outlawed vaccine mm-hmm. passports. Not only they say they're not going to do it, but they have outlawed vaccine passports in Texas and Florida. That doesn't Um, surprise me. Um, Yeah, no, not at all. Given the conservative preference for uh, lower governmental or uh, large business oversight. Yeah. Right. Uh, And those are two big conservative states. And so it that's a temperament issue, I think, more so than um, a political flex personally. But uh, that's not surprising. Yeah. 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 And then additionally, um, if this sounds like something, you know, brand new and out of the blue, it's not. Um, Kids going to public schools have to show vaccination records as it is. Mm -hmm. Nothing new. It's been around for a whole long time. So you could theoretically just add the COVID vaccine to those requirements. Um, So it's not like it's a giant title shift. They're just they're talking about adding this. Uh, And additionally, for international travel, uh, I believe in uh, parts of Africa, um, yellow fever vaccinations are required to travel there as well. Hmm. So, again, none of this is brand spanking new. Some of it. I mean, I remember having to show vaccine records when I was a kid and that was like a thousand years ago. So it's nothing real new. But it's something that we definitely want to keep an eye on. And again, with the example that Singapore sent, uh, you start collecting mass amounts of sensitive data in one place, then there are plenty of people that are going to want to have access to that data, whether it's the police or a marketing company or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's going to be a target that needs to be protected and guarded. Yeah, very, very true. And. You know, like I said, I to to be a broken record, I I don't trust big tech or the U.S. government with that information. They both have shown in fact that 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 they don't. Uh, the Patriot Act is a great example, obviously, uh, uh, maybe a, a really recent one. 
I'm not so recent. It's been 20 years now, I guess. Uh, Jesus, it's been 20 years. This is the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Yep. This year. That's so crazy to me. Um, <laughs> but obviously that was a failure, a complete and utter failure of um, private citizen, you know, a citizen's right to privacy um, yep. by their government. And then everything that tech has ever done to get as much information ever and um, share it around. Like it's, it's a slippery slope, um, which yeah. actually one of the things that um, struck me when I was looking up information on the vaccine passports um, is the giant leaps that people were making in terms of how bad this doing this would actually be. Um, I'll give you some examples. Uh, yeah. I, someone compared this to um, the social credit system in China. Okay. So, which is basically to say that this is what they said was this is a Chinese style or communist style social credit system. This could evolve into that. Um, there's been, uh, as I understand it, some uh, um, Jewish protesters who were um, comparing this to what Hitler did with the Jews in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, having to wear the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a slight segue or tangent. Um, but what they're doing is a slip called a slippery slope fallacy. And I actually used the term slippery slope a minute ago. And I didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. And that's what it reminded me of this fallacy yep. is it, it's when you a slippery slope fallacy is broadly when you take something small and then extrapolate into something big with no connection in the middle. So um, a common example might be uh, the government wants or maybe let's say, Dan, you're like, I like universal basic income. And I'm like, oh, you're a socialist. <laughs> like that, that's a slippery slope fallacy or is this Twitter? You know, if, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, or someone's like, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the uh, I think the manufacturing should be owned by the workers, which is actually it's actually a bad example. because that's, te- that's a technical definition of communism. But then I could just be like, oh, well, you know, you're a communist. Even if you're not, you just think that CEOs should make less money and workers should make more, um, which is a fine proposition to have. But those are kind of the same thing in terms of definition. But communism and wanting workers to make more and CEOs to make less are vastly different things. Um, But you're basically you're making a leap from a small thing to a big thing. Now, um, first, I want to go on record and say that I've made this I've been guilty of this fallacy probably 50 times on our podcast. And I actually was not aware. (laughs) I was not even aware of it until like a week ago, um, when my I learned about what it was um, because I follow uh, Sonia Orlu, um, who was on our podcast a few weeks back on on um, Instagram, and she actually posts on her Instagram all the time different types of logical fallacies and what they are. And I learned about this, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting," and. And then I happened to explain it to my girlfriend like a couple of days later, not really thinking about the fact that I have committed this fallacy multiple, multiple times. But she had basically done it in something unrelated to politics. And um, it had to do with like making fun of me. And so I was like, no, you're committing a fallacy. Like, I'm perfect. And, <laughs> and so I explained it to her what this slippery slope fallacy was. And she was like, Bo, you do that all the time. 
every time you talk about communism, you're basically doing this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, like I am. And so I wanted to apologize to uh, and acknowledge the fact to all of our listeners that I have, in fact, done this without really being aware of it. Um, and it's kind of ca- it's caused some introspection for me the last like week trying to figure out like, shit, like I didn't realize that's what I was doing. That doesn't change my fears of communism at all. It just changes how I explain them and um, how I feel about a lot of the stuff that actually is still ter- like critical race theory still terrifies me. Um, but I'm less inclined today than I was last week to be like, oh, that's critical race theory. That's communism because they're not the same thing. Right. And there's a big leap in between them. Um, and so, uh, well, you know, and, and uh, I won't go too far down this tangent that we're currently on, but I, I used to have this poster that had like 12 logical fallacies or something on it. And of course, Slippery Slope was on there. Um, and, you know, I've read that. I've talked to uh, different people a little bit about it, but I'm still not 100% clear that it's like a black and white fallacy. Yeah. Because there are tendencies that can be recognized that will eventually turn into something that you would, you know, put farther down the slippery slope. Yes. Um, so, th- so I think there yeah. there has to be more nuance to that definition of what the slippery slope fallacy is and what it is to see something in the early stages of becoming a big problem. Yeah. So there's a couple of, you highlight a couple of interesting problems there. Um, and uh, so I'm trying to decide where to start first. Okay. I'm going to use a jujitsu metaphor and I want you to tell me what you think about the jujitsu metaphor. Cause as I was thinking through this, what kept popping into my head was this jujitsu problem. Okay. And it seems, it seems to me to be a, what qualifies as a slippery slope fallacy. Um, what would you say if you were teaching someone who's a white belt, let's say you're in side control, you're on top or you're on the top of Mount and the white belt kept turning to their stomach. What would I say? What would you, yeah, what would be your response to this? Uh, that's a bad idea. It's a good way to get choked. There we go. Slippery slope <clears throat> fallacy. And here's why. So, Are you going to pull the, out some esoteric turtle escape? <laughs> Where you roll over as, and turtle up and kick somebody as, off your back? Yeah, so as somebody <laughs> who is very good in turtle, Dan, I, would, I, don't, I don't know if I'd consider this esoteric. This is something that you do, but... <laughs> Um, so here, here's my point is that the, the, the prevailing wisdom is that like, is exactly what you just said is that if you roll to your stomach and someone's on top of you, you will get choked. Now, maybe they'll qualify and say, you'll, you, you'll get your back taken and then you'll get choked. But neither of those things are definitively true. They happen a lot. And mostly they happen a lot because either a white belt does it and they're terrible. So they don't understand what they're doing. And then they, they do indeed get choked by someone who knows what they're doing, but, or they're, not a white belt, and they're actually bad at back defense and choke defense, which is actually, I think, more common amongst blue belts to black belts. I actually think that the defenses aren't very good because we're always in those shitty positions. Like, as an example, the reason that you would get choked if you go to your stomach is because your elbows are not tucked in, you don't get to your knees. You allow someone to get hooks in. You allow them to get a seat belt. You don't protect your neck. You allow them to get their hand under your chin and then their, you know, their forearm and then their bicep under your chin. And then you allow them to choke you. That's like six things that have to go wrong before you actually get choked. 
Well, which for, means for the rec, and I agree with what you're saying here totally. And I'd have to rewind this to say specifically, but if I remember correctly, I said it's a bad idea because yes. you're likely to get choked. You said Not you a guarantee. Will get choked. You, you might have said likely, but if you, if you say likely, then I'll, I'll, I'll accept that caveat because it is likely. But that same thing can be said for almost anything that you do. It's likely you'll get choked if you stay on your back and you're in mount, if you don't do anything, right? And so where I think the fallacy comes into play is when you you make the equivalence between a small move, say going to your back, and the end that most likely could occur, and it's very dramatic, without acknowledging that in the middle there's a bunch of things that have to go wrong. If you're somebody who understands the risks of turning to your stomach— and knows how to mitigate those risks. Going to your back is going to your stomach is not a problem. Like as an example, you're really good in turtle. So, provided you can actually turn and get to turtle, the odds that anybody chokes you, black belt or otherwise, is not high. Because you're good in turtle. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, I think. But I think it, the important the, thing is the that risk. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, like, yeah. You're saying is if you state it as something definitive. Uh, you know, this is this UBI is mm-hmm. communism. That yes. uh, that's the fallacy for sure. And and so I think that part of the issue with those, at least as I see it, there's two issues. Part of it is leaving out all of the meat of the argument when you make those claims. Yeah. So universal basic income is basically socialism, or it's heading towards socialism. Even the term heading towards it is kind of a misnomer because there's a lot of steps that have to occur. And I might actually agree with that statement depending on the context, because there's a little bit of truth to the fact that maybe universal health care or universal basic in- income is leading towards whatever socialism may be, depending on how you define it and what uh, century you're in, because the definitions have changed. But my point would be that when you leave the meat of those arguments out, so people aren't actually aware of the connection and the problems. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, this is a harder problem to solve. And you actually touched upon this a bit is freedoms like aren't just taken away. And then all of a sudden we're in a totalitarian regime with no freedoms anymore. That doesn't work anymore. What happens is everything is slowly encroached upon over time and you get used to it. And then a little bit more gets encroached and then you get used to it and inches along. Yep. Right. Um, It's a frog in a problem. problem. Exactly. And so the problem there is like, I I forget exactly what you said, but you basically were like, how are we supposed to know when there's like, have you crossed a line? And that line is impossible to, to know if we're used to people encroaching upon us and we don't realize it. And so the natural reaction to that problem is at the beginning to say that's communism or that's socialism or that's fascism because that's the precursor to those problems. And so you're like, well, if you move any further at some point, we're going to, we're going to hit an avalanche that we can't stop. But if there's no way to, I, so you see where the problems are on one end, you have a slippery slope fallacy. And on the other end, you actually have the thing you're afraid of. And there's really no way to spot the middle ground where you can stop it from occurring. And so you get a lot of these very big claims where people are like, this is so bad. This is this is the equivalent of what Hitler did to the Jews with passports. And it's like, well, if I stop and think about it, maybe that's a 
that's a kind of a, a comparison. Like there's some drastic differences between those two things. It's but it's maybe, mildly leaning in that direction. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, but I need to understand context to make that work. And yeah. now everyone understands that particular context for the most part because most Americans, if they learn anything about history, it's about the Nazis and the Jews. But outside of that context, th- that makes no sense. And then you need even more context to break it down. And it's like, I think we lose my, my point with all of this is that a people, I think make slippery slope fallacies all the time because it's hard not to in a yeah. polarized world where everyone is, you know, on either side of this fence and they're very far away from each other and they don't want to talk and they're terrified of ideologies because the political systems are run by ideologies for the most part on either side. And it's kind of terrifying. And it's like, so of course you make these outlandish claims, but if you would have nuanced conversations in the middle, which in the jujitsu reference would be understanding the danger of turning your back, yep. then you you can actually guard against it because there are plenty of pe- you know people who are very good at just turning to their side and giving back exposure when they're in the bottom of mount and then their back never gets taken. It's really hard to take your back if your elbows are on your ribs. Yeah. Like you actually even if you get a hook in, if my elbows or my ribs and my hands are down, I have two hands underneath your leg so I can just lift it up. If you can't get a hand in between my, you know, my, my arm and my ribs, you don't have upper hooks. Like you just don't have them. Yeah. So unless I don't move, you don't get a choke. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a slippery slope, a slippery slope statement. Say that 10 times fast, uh, is a nuanced killer. And as yes. we've talked about many times, you know, nuance is absolutely required to have uh, productive conversation at any kind of high level. Um, so there, there's the yeah. potential for a valid point that gets killed when you make that kind of a statement. That is correct. It, if you turn to your belly, then you're just choked. No, that's yes. not it. But you know, if you turn to your belly, it's a bad idea because of X, Y, and Z, which could likely end in a choke. Yes. That's different. Yeah. So, okay. And I would even go so far as to say, and this is just because of who I've been uh, learning from lately. So um, I've been trying out a lot of uh, uh, turning my back to my opponents to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that there are risks to turning to your back or turning to your turning, giving your back up to your opponent, just as there are li- risks giving your arm or turning into your opponent. So they have your chest. Like what are those risks? Maybe you have a greater risk if you're, opponent can see your back because you can't see your opponent first off. And secondly, all of their all of their, you know, frames and levers and their, their limbs are facing you and yours are facing away from them. So that puts you at a disadvantage, but you know, some people are really good at defending. Like I've yet to figure out how to crack your turtle defense. I don't know if anyone (laughs) in our gym can do that. I'm not sure if you've ever met anyone who actually can, because in part, I think of your flexibility, you're able to get your elbows into your hip sockets and there's just no space to peel your arms away. And you're, you're able to get your you know hands and your shoulders up enough to protect your neck that there's really nothing to do. Well, except Someone roll me crack. over. <laughs> yeah, the move is right. just to roll me over and proceed from there, which is what all the higher level belts do. So, Right. Yeah. But even then it's hard because you're able to splay your knees out really far because of your flexibility. Yeah. And so it, it makes it difficult, right? And so it's like, and you're not an exception to that rule either. Like there are, I, I can do that and I'm not as flexible. I know because I've been doing it for two weeks and I've had a lot of success just giving my back up to 
all of the people that I've rolled with. I've, I've been choked, of course, but I've had much more success just not getting my back taken or not getting choked. And it's been actually kind of alarming how successful it's been considering. <laughs> I'm just like turning my back and then I'll have, you know, I'll have other blue, purple and brown and black belts take my back and they're playing a little bit. So they're not like going competition hard and trying to choke the shit out of me. So there's, you know, until that occurs, maybe this will change, but it's like, I, I'm able to actually move and not really worry too much. Um, as I, as I work my way through this, cause there's, you know, there's bug, there's kinks to work out, but yeah, I would say that from a conversational standpoint or from making, you know, these kinds of uh, bold claims standpoint, it, it, um, it almost reminds me of a straw man argument. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. Or, <clears throat> or even, even to that, to it, to, to a different degree, uh, a heuristic, like you use a heuristic, like, Oh, there's clouds. It might rain. It's like, there's a lot of nuance that determines whether or not it's going to rain. And you kind of leave all that out by just guessing. And they're slightly different, of course, but they, they, they remind me of similar things because it's, you're, you're using an aggregate of what typically happens or has happened in the past to make your assumption for today. Right. In all of those cases, even in a straw man, you're like, okay, well I'm going to make the weak argument based on what it seems like typically occurs without any and all of the nuance. And I like your phrase, the nuance killer it. Um, I get where a lot of this is coming from. It's like, you know, if, if vaccine passports are similar to social credit systems, China has a social credit system. China has been communist for a very long time. Like the leap isn't very hard to make at yeah. all. However, we're probably a hundred step, maybe five or a hundred steps away from as a country being in that situation. And those steps may come very quickly or they may never evolve at all. And that's actually more of the argument, I think, than that's what I'm starting to realize. I think that's more of the argument than the argument of these are the same thing. We should be terrified. Does that make sense? Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, the, yeah, there, there are quite a few steps, maybe not that many, but there are definitely a few steps that need to take place. Like what yeah. would concern me uh, and the, the social credit system in China, that's fucking terrifying to me, um, which is technology based. Um, mm -hmm. It uses or the, the government has information about you and that system is used for access to various things, whether it's a place or loan rates or all kinds of crazy shit they do in China. Um, we're, we're starting some of those very things starting. I say yeah. we're, we're definitely not there, but to have to, to get the population used to carrying an app with them that allows access to do stuff and that access is granted by the government, which has all this personal information about you. Um, in a technological sense, it definitely wouldn't take a whole lot for that to be a full-on social credit system. Not that yes. it's going to be, of course, but um, it puts the tools in place to make that a whole hell of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And even if it's no, a quarter of what China does, in my mind, that's you know completely unacceptable. Uh, because I, yeah, I agree. You know, China's is just fucking oppressive. Uh, if anybody has not looked into the social credit system in China, uh, Google that and and see what the effects are in, in China right now. It's uh, it's not great. It's definitely not freedom. No, very true. And, and <clears throat> if I understand correctly, I believe it. Part of it is based on facial recognition software. Oh is yeah, it, they track you, know, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, they, they got, you know, of course, a jillion cameras in all public spaces uh, and the government actively, actively tracks you. Yes. Not, oh, somebody committed a, a crime. Let's go rewind the tapes. Uh, no, just pull up his file. Let's see where he's been for the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And um, Glenn Gr- uh, Greenwald said something interesting. Um, for anyone who's unfamiliar, Glenn is he's a he's actually the guy who um, he broke the uh, Snowden files. Yep. He was the one who did that. I think he played I think he was played by Zachary Quinto in the movie Snowden, um, if I remember correctly. But uh so he said he was on Tucker Carlson and he said, um, and this is a direct quote from him on it, he's like and then at some point soon we're going to reach herd immunity because enough people polls show want the vaccine such that the people who are unvaccinated don't pose a threat to the society or anybody else. Yep. And so his point is if this is the case, according to polls. Um, then you kind of brought this up earlier, but it's why is it necessary to create this kind of a system? He referred to it as a caste system. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I agree with that assessment, um, but I, I can I can make the leap. Um, but he does mention it, stigmatizing the system, like stigmatizing people who don't get vaccinated. And I think that that's very real. Um, you know, and uh, he, he states also, American culture is such that when the government tells you to do something, there's a tendency not to want to do it. Yep. Right. Um, and that is completely correct. That, I mean, that that's one of the fundamental principles of what our country was founded upon, was that the people could stand up to the government. Right. That, that's yeah. part of that, that, that's the Second Amendment right there you know, is to be able to bear arms against a tyrannical government and in the first amendment, as well as to, to, to shout at the government and tell them, Hey, you're fucking up. Yeah. We have, we have guns. Don't fuck with us. You know, like <laughs> these are, these are legitimate, like founding principles of our country. We should have the right to say, you tell me to do something. Fuck you. You know, and there should be constraints. Like we've discussed many times on this podcast, there should be constraints to that, but taking away an individual's ability to do that is, is, is dangerous business. And, I can see a place for it sometimes. Um, maybe COVID is bad enough that we need to do it. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, if this was the, the if this was like the bubonic plague or something, where the death rate was I don't know fifty times what COVID is, then I think it would be a no brainer. Right. Here's here's what I can get behind. I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but sure. Um, first of all, if we make the system so that it's um, encrypted in such a way that it can't be unencrypted, meaning you plug in all your personal information and some sort of an ID number is generated, but all of that information is, the information itself is locked down. So nobody can actually get to it. It's just mm-hmm. used to create your unique identifier number that says you got the vaccine. Um, so that would hopefully help uh, mitigate some of the potential for abuse of the actual information. So, yeah. meaning if, if Washington State went to the government and said, uh, hey, this is Washington State Patrol, we need info on Bo, can you give us the record? It's like, no, it's all encrypted. We can't do anything. We can tell you if he's vaccinated or not, and that's it. Um, right. I, I think that would be very encouraging. And then additionally, for the whole system, the whole vaccination passport system to have, say, 
you know, an 18 to 24 month shelf life. Because eventually we're going to reach herd immunity. It's not going to matter at all. So all that shit needs to go away. Yeah. If I had assurances that that was going to be the case, then I would I would almost you know just say yeah let's go do it because the mm-hmm. the economy needs as much help as it can get right now. Uh, it's bouncing back, but it still needs more help. We're not we're not back to before times yet, um, and that has severe repercussions still to a whole lot of people. Yep. Um, I'm still feeling it. So the the balance needs to happen so that we get the economy going as quickly as possible, but also as safely as possible. And if we have the ability to say, uh, and I would add on not just a vaccine passport, but a, a, va- or a, a COVID test as well. Make sure that you've got the vaccination and you, you we know that you don't have it because we, we don't have any information currently about whether or not the vaccine will prevent transmission. So we got a question mark there. Hopefully we want to mitigate that. Yeah. Um, but if we made it temporary and if we made it encrypted, then it seems like a pretty good idea to me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all in the execution, right? And, yes, hundred percent. That, and that's also part of the problem, though, is that trust. You know, and go, it's trust. And uh, let me pull up the quote here from uh, you sent me a video Russell Branded did done yeah. about. Um, about the vaccine passports. And he said, and I quote, in the end, this issue becomes not about the pandemic, but about trust and who we grant authority to and how they may use that authority. And yes. that I think is, is the nail on the head is that um, at the end of the day, it's about trust and authority and Americans are naturally distrustful of authority, or at least, at least half are naturally distrustful of, of authority and um and they should be yes trust has been broken many many times it has yeah. been broken many many times and our government was founded on the tr- people trying to get away from authority corrupted authority and broken trust and all these kinds of things like there, there's a lot of reasons to be d- distrustful of authority yeah um and so the question then for me becomes who is it that can be trusted? So and I would I, say, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say um, for, and I, I mean that like um, in terms of the vaccine, but also in terms of your everyday life. Like, I don't, I don't just mean it's like a local question to like the pandemic. Like, I think the question becomes bigger than that. It becomes at what, at any given point, who do you trust in the answer to that question, I think, may be the answer to how we solve the pandemic problem, personally, but um, because well, it's me and the people I care about. Okay, then I would say on the technical side of things, um, if the encryption thing is to take place, then who do you trust is no one. And in order to make yes. that work, you make the code open source so that anybody okay. can take yeah, a look yeah. at what's actually doing this. Uh, and so it can be verified by other independent people, an independent coder that is not on anybody's payroll can take a look at it and say, yes, that's legit encryption. You can't break that. Um, yep. Then if it were open source and verified that the information is inaccessible other than either yay or nay that you got a vaccine, uh, I think that would help a lot as well. I, I like 
So I, I'm more on board with that idea. Yeah. I like the idea of open transparency. Yeah. It, however, that may you know be done. I, I from what it sounds like you're describing to me is what Bitcoin does with how they mine their Bitcoin and you can like check it all out and, and see uh, it. I, kinda, isn't it kind of similar? Sorta, I'm not super familiar with how that yeah. works, but I, I like the idea of it being open source so that people can see it yeah. provided no one can access it. I don't like the idea that the information is out there, but, and I'm sure there are plenty of people that agree with me on that. The problem is that everything that we have is out there unless we're truly off grid. And so I don't know how to, like, that's not really a problem I think can be solved as much as I yeah. dislike, you know, um, I dislike people having information. It's, but it's the trust issue. And you said no one, and I agree with that. Like, I, I don't think that. I think that an inherent trust in the government is misguided. Yeah. Um, that was actually it, <laughs> was it. Stalin that said trust but verify, and then Reagan said it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. trust but verify. Yeah, and it, it, that's the more you know. Of the parts of me temperamentally that are conservative, that's one of the conservative ones. It, it parts of my temperament is that like I, I just I, I don't have any trust or trust for the government. In particular, as the government tries to get bigger and bigger, that concerns me. Yeah, um, I, I don't see how that's at all good ever. Um, but I'm much more of a what was it like Teddy Roosevelt? He like I think he's the one who cut the government down to like its bare bones to where it was actually more inefficient than it normally would be because there's simply wasn't enough people to do stuff. Oh, I didn't um, know that. So <laughs> it, it may be, it may be one of the other presidents, but I thought it was him, but uh, he, uh, um, but yeah, there's been presidents in the past that have been like, I just fire everybody. <laughs> it's like, it, it didn't work, you know, in the, during the industrial revolution because there was no technology. So, right. Right. But it could work now. I, I don't know if that'd be a, the best thing because have, giving big corporations power is bad too, but given how powerful they actually are. But yeah, it, I, I definitely lean much more towards, I, I don't, I don't trust the government or big tech to do this. I, um, this is, probably sounds kind of naive, but I actually would put my faith in individuals to make the right choice personally. I think that if, um, as a, as a country, as a people, as a culture, if we came to, as a society, if we came together and said, look, we're all different. We all have different feelings about the government, about each other, about vaccines, about who can tell us what to do, whatever. Um, but we need to handle this together. Let's, let's try and agree on some social rules here, like we've done for a long time. And let's trust each other to make us make our way through this in a peaceful way. I think that if someone or a group or whoever was able to actually have say that message correctly to enough people, it would resonate. Because we don't see that. Right? Like Obviously, people aren't doing that right now. There's many camps, politically or otherwise, who are running around violating mask laws and protesting slash rioting um, and all, all those other things. And they've been doing so for a long time um, for a lot of different reasons and fair enough. But it... I think people would be surprised by, let's say, the individuals who don't want to wear masks. I think that they would be surprised if asked nicely how many people would just simply throw a mask on for a couple of months just to help. Yeah. So they can go back to doing what they want to do. Like, I actually do believe that. Um, and I can give like a personal example. Um, 
my my stepfather is um he, he's not necessarily in 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 that camp but he's a fuck you fuck the government i don't like people kind of a guy um he's very brash very loud about his opinions most people won't like them it can be kind of hard sometimes to actually be around him when he gets talking about stuff. He's been a staunch conservative his entire life. Um, you know, he was a he, he voted for Trump. He's not shy about it. Um, so I think he did. Uh, th- so I think he did. He did it the first time, at least. I don't know if he did the second time. Slight tangent. He actually wanted to vote for Tulsi Gabbard the second time. Oh, no but kidding. he did not. Hmm. But he didn't. And uh, so that's why I think he voted for Trump when Trump was uh, for the reelection. Um, but that was really funny because I was like, I actually voted for Tulsi. So I was like, cool, we have something in common right? there politically, yeah, which is interesting because although because otherwise we really don't like we, we I don't really rub heads with him with it. I, I, I let him talk and I try and pick apart his points. But anyways, he's the kind of person who I could see on TV wearing a shirt with an American flag on it in front of a store without a mask, telling people to go fuck themselves <laughs> just because right. he can't. Cause he likes it. Cause he likes to be an asshole and I love him, but he's an asshole sometimes. And he's never done any of that. He's worn masks. He's never complained about it. He's just, he's gone about his day when he has to go in a store, he'll do it. And he doesn't complain. And his big thing is he wants to be left alone. Cause I actually asked him, he's like, I just want to be left alone. I don't want to be told what to do. I just want to do my thing. And he's like, I don't, and that's really his big issue. He's like, I just don't want to be told what to do, in particular by people who, when I listen to him on TV, they're fucking idiots. And yeah. it's like, I think, I think a large person, my, my assumption is that a large percentage of these people or maybe a small, but I think it's a large, large percentage of people who feel this way about masks feel so similar to my stepfather in that they have their beliefs. They don't care who knows about them. Maybe they're abrasive, but whatever, they don't care. And they just want to be left alone. They don't want someone coming in, being self-righteous, having the quote-unquote moral high ground, telling them that they're wrong and that they're racist or Nazis or whatever, um, telling them to wear masks or they're pieces of shit or they're going to kill everybody. Because they're just the kind of people who are going to say, fuck you. I'm not going to do this. I don't care what you feel. Like, if you're going to if you're gonna ha- have the moral high ground, I'm just going to flip the bur- I'm going to flip the board up. And I think for a long time, you know, for most of the pandemic, and I mean, for years, just in general, outside of the pandemic, people like this have been scorned by society, by, by the media in particular. And they, they've been called a lot of bad names. And, you know, they, they've they been called epithets that are not even remotely close to how they probably really feel about things. Yep. And their response is, fuck you. And people are shocked by it. They're like, oh, my God, see, they're obviously racist. They just told me to fuck off. It's like, no. Like, I think these people just... They just want to be left alone. Don't judge them for their decisions because they're not judging you for your stupid decisions. Like, just move on with your life. And there's some tension there, right? Because if you go into a store and someone's not wearing a mask, you want to say something because there's a legitimate danger to that. But you could also just walk to the other side of the store, get your stuff, leave, and not worry about it. And where's the line there where that actually creates a problem or everything's fine? You know, at some point, maybe someone should say something, but I don't know where that line is. And so... But I do think that if as a culture we could come together and say, look, like, this is what we should do as a society. We're not going to enforce it. We're going to say, hey, look, be a good citizen. Bear this responsibility. Be free of judgment of other people, and we'll get through this together. It kind of seems to me this is a little bit like what Texas is doing, and it seems to be working out for them. Um, Yeah, I I think kind of similar with uh, Florida as well, with DeSantis. Yeah. 
um, because who's the, been getting the data just fucking shredded in the media for no good reason. Um, not that I agree with uh, much or even any of what he's no. saying, but I did see the 60 Minutes piece where they selectively edited stuff, and it was absolutely egregious. So okay, I haven't seen it, but I heard about it, and I also remember them giving him a lot of crap for choosing to vaccinate old people first. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the, like, the gist of it was, like, after all the heat that he caught for not mandating masks and all the other stuff in Florida, this impending doom of this monster spike that was supposed to come never happened. And it may still, like, to be fair, like, the jury's out, still out, you know, we, we don't know, but... Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Mon- By the, like, the current yeah. stats, it didn't happen. Yeah. So this it, was from exa- months exactly. ago. It was yeah. nowhere near as bad as they all said it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, he, we, apparently and, he wasn't wrong about that. Yeah, and that's interesting, you know, because like Texas, from what I gather, it's been four weeks, a month now since they removed the mask mandate in it, uh, three weeks, and it's the same thing. Like the numbers are down a huge amount, and then two of the most restrictive states, California and New York, the numbers are absurdly out. And Michigan, I think, is the other one where mm-hmm. the numbers are con- absurdly out of control. And there could be other. There's obviously is other factors. I'm, I'm sure of it, right? It, but. It is interesting to see because it's entirely plausible that because of the temperament of the typical person in those states, if the governor's like, look, just because from what I remember of the governor, I don't even know who the governor is, but the governor of uh, Texas, he was like, we're going to lift the mask mandate, but you can still require masks. Be safe. You know, it just just be safe. Just do what you think is best. That sounds fair. And, and it, from what I understand, people are still wearing masks in Texas. It isn't like everyone in Texas is like, yeah, no more masks. Let's burn them and go about our days. Like they're still wearing masks around. They're just not enforcing them in stores and people are choosing whether or not to. And if numbers are dropping as a result, it's like maybe they're taking that message and saying, hey, we're just going to be nice about it. We're going to we're going to be safe. We're not being told what to do. So there's no real need to say fuck you. It's just if this will help. That's it. That, I'm not as loud about it to say I would have expected my, my stepfather to be here as some of these people are, but that's actually how I feel about masks. Like I don't like wearing them like most people don't, but I'm not, if it's going to help, I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same um, way. I, I don't wear them outside ever. No. Um, um, and if I'm in, if I'm going to the store or something, uh, or if I'm you know talking to somebody up close, then yeah, I put a mask on. No problem. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same way. It's like I'm outside. The, as, as I understand it, the data is extremely clear that being outside, is there's basically no risk. Yep. Um, otherwise, all of the BLM protests and all of the Proud Boys protests and all the other Antifa protests and stuff would have elicited huge amounts of cases. And apparently there's no evidence for that, whether masks were worn or not. Those, I understand it. Um Masks were not worn quite frequently. I think Antifa had a lot of masks, but they also covered their faces with stuff. So right. as part of their their um, their school uniform, black black so, school. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, their their private school uniform. So <laughs> their their SS youth uniform. So that's, that's too far. That's too far. Uh, well, I mean, for, ultimately, for an, for an organization that's not real and doesn't exist as a terrorist organization, according to the FBI, they sure and also is <laughs> reportedly anti-fascist. They they sure tend to um, exhibit like every single tendency of fascists. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but I digress. We don't need to we don't need to go into that. <laughs> Uh, well, I was just going to say that I, I agree 100% with your sentiment there as far as just letting people be responsible and, you know, say, hey, let's all do this together. P- 
problem is uh, that requires a strong and trusted leader, which is in short fucking supply in this here country. So, yeah, it also, I think, requires trust in people. Um, you know, you said no one. I think that that's correct. But I if you can trust the people around you and then trust your broader community, trust nationally isn't that hard to get. Because well, small little pockets will have trust. I'm but, talking about where we are right now is in the sense that if you trust the people locally, well, if everybody locally says the government is scamming you and they're trying to yeah. keep you from getting the oxygen into your system so you're going to be a sheeple or whatever the fuck they're saying, um, it depends on who you're listening to. <laughs> but if the, no, messaging, no, very true. Yeah. If, if the messaging from whatever governing body, whether it be federal or state, is... Uh, you know, appealing to you as a person with agency and also as a community, hey, let's all come together and do the right thing. If you got a spe- mm-hmm. special circumstance, we're not going to chastise you in public. Uh, just do your best and let's get through this. Uh, I think that message could be received from the right person. But Yeah, I know, and I agree. And uh, um, I think, too, that as a society, we lack trust amongst each other. There's a lot of yep. group division, tribal like tribalism in, in the culture, and so that makes this message hard to to disseminate. Yeah, because I'm going to trust my family, but I'm not going to trust literally everyone else, and th- this message won't work unless people are willing to take that leap. Um, I'm not super big on leaps of faith. Uh, um, I think that they're overused in religion, but um, which can be a problem, but. We, we need we need to heal as a culture, as a country. And whether that's a racial healing or otherwise, that's that's a term that I hear thrown around all the time. I, I don't know if that's necessarily what we need. Maybe it is. I, I think it's just a general healing, regardless of racial issues, just all issues. But um, if I can get away with saying that, but and I'm not sure if that'll happen. But <laughs> we're we're pointing in the exact opposite direction currently. Uh, yeah, much as and I, I think like to we see that, that turnaround. Yeah, and I think that we see that with how people are reacting to this sort of stuff. It's just a microcosm of a, of of a larger problem. You know, it's symptoms of a, symptomatic of a larger issue. And unfortunately, because we should be able to trust our our neighbors and the people around us to do the right thing. Or let me take that back because I don't like the phrase "the right thing." That's um, we should trust the people around us to do the responsible thing. There you go. Those things are different. And the right thing carries a sense of morality that I don't, or uh, of moral superiority that I don't like. Okay. Yeah. Because on one end, the right thing is to mask up so people don't die, which potentially, right? But on the other end, the right thing to do is to stand up against your government and to stand up against tyranny. And if your government's yep. forcing you to do things that, honestly, in other countries and other times in the, you know, in the last couple of centuries was actually tyrannical, then the right is to do that too. And so, it, and that's broadly speaking, both sides of this mask argument, right? Yeah. It, obviously, I'm simplifying this to the point of lo- losing context to, to some degree, but um, I'm sure you can grasp the point. And it's like, yeah. so right, right is subjective based on whatever your moral truths are. Because there's lots of moral tr- moral tr- truths. And so I think if you can, as a society, determine what's the responsible thing to do, that's a much easier thing to do locally and nationally. 
um, while having different morals. Sure. Yeah. I think the challenge is, is all of that is pretty far off of the Overton window at this point in mm-hmm. time. Um, yes. Overton window just being a reference to what is pragmatically possible, you know, socially and politically. Um, yeah. And, and it, it goes back to topics we've already discussed a whole bunch in terms of the, uh, you know, social dilemma, what social media is doing to us, critical race theory, postmodernism, all of that mm-hmm. um, being magnified by an order or two of magnitude with social media. Um, what is actually possible is considerably more limited than I would like. Um, we can get ourselves back on the right track, theoretically at least, whether or not it's actually going to happen, whether or not it's politically viable right now, I don't know. But I think it, I think it's viable outside of politics. I don't I don't think that politics can help. Yeah, unfortunately, politics actually, is kind of woven into everything I, I, right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a situation where you know the left has been underground for thirty years in academia and is didn't even just poke its head out like a groundhog would. It just like exploded out of the ground <laughs> and is taking control of every major piece of society. Yeah. And I'm not even being hyperbolic about that. They literally control everything. Tech, social uh, tech, um, media, the government, I mean, schools, all of this. In, courts. They're in the courts. Anyone, yeah, courts. If anyone wants proof of this, I'm happy to provide it because I have, I, I can, and I'll, give me an hour and I can show you all of this. Um, and then on the right, they've done no favors because since the 70s, they've been power hungry and have tried to grab as much political power as they can and have abused the rules of the game while staying within the rules of the game yeah. as much as humanly possible. And it's created two problems. Um, and on top of that, all of the wealthy conservatives have explicitly stayed out of media and schools educate you know higher education and in the like because it wasn't profitable and so you have this situation where all they've done is tried to acquire political power which is pissed off the left and so the left now is like fuck you we're just going to play by your rules which is bad for everybody that's not good and they have no power in society because they didn't think it was you know financially viable in the long run which is ludicrous as you think about it now there's i don't think there's one conservative ceo in the tech industry I, yeah, I, I can't think, think of one. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think there, yeah. but to be fair, I don't think there's one liberal CEO in in the oil industry, the oil and gas industry. So it's like they, they've kind of picked their battles. Yeah. The problem is that our world now isn't run by oil and gas; it's run by tech. And so, like, you I have think these they're battling where, it out. But yeah, tech tech is now I, like a, a, a legitimate contender yeah. in that. Yeah, I mean, we still need so, fossil fuels for now, but. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, but you have, you know, the left doing what any political, anyone who can get power and acquire and wants more of it would do. And they have an lean left is they get more of it and they take over the things that they feel are going to benefit them. And then the right just rolled over and com- did nothing and then complained about it while also trying to corrupt the government. At the same it's like a really weird dichotomy. They're like, we're going to corrupt the government, but not the culture. And it's like, I don't, I don't see how politics is going to solve this problem at all because they're both fucked. <laughs> like they yeah. both just fucked up. And now we're dealt with this issue where we have one side controls the majority of most things and pushes 
all of the information they want into the hands of the people. And people, of course, are eating it up because why would they not? And then the right complains about it. And I was like, oh my God, like, look at all this stuff. It's so bad. And it's like, yes, it's bad, but you're complaining about milk you spilled over. Like, this is your fault. <laughs> right. You should link that like, article. I, um, that yeah, I will. It's, it's very interesting. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a very fascinating thing to, to contemplate. It's like, I, I don't, um, you know, we spend a lot of time criticizing the left because of what they're doing and not enough time criticizing the right. And I think part of that is because they've rolled over and complained about it. And it's like hard to notice, like the fact that they just sort of were like, oh my God, all this shit is bad. And then you have to look into the, look into the, the, the details and realize that it's, it's got this bad because you didn't do anything because you allowed it to happen. Well, like, and if they, you allowed, you, you could say there've been opportunities like with Fox news, if they weren't so damn ridiculous and I don't know. I mean, yeah. Not even that. I mean, I guess they 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 got their base. They they have millions and millions of viewers. Um, but it something that could be taken a bit more seriously, I suppose. And maybe that's just me putting my dispersions on Fox News or something. But yeah, you're absolutely right in terms of like entertainment and the media. Um, it's such a small percentage of conservative players in that space that yep. they just got rolled over. And it's not like they don't have a fucking trillion dollars that they got access to as, you know, the uh, global or the, the countrywide conservatives, you know, the capital they can access. They can certainly start up a news network or whatever and, and get their messaging across. Um, yeah. They just choose not to because it would it would not be profitable for a while. I would imagine that would be a long term investment for sure. No, very true. But I, I think that the the ramifications it would have for our culture as a whole would be would be better. It, in to clarify that, I it's not because I think that conservatism is is better than liberalism. Like, it, uh, like the right is better than the left. Let's say from an American political standpoint, it's because it's imbalanced. Yeah. Like you know, we, we, I've mentioned many times before, but I lean more left than I lean right. I'm a, I'm a center left individual um, politically. Um, I'm very much in the center, but I'm a center left individual. And there are a lot of things that the right does that I just don't. I for policy that I think is just wrong or misguided. Yeah. Um, but when there's an imbalance, and in particular when there's an imbalance of not even just left policies, but like significantly left or far left or even radical left policies. And there's no opposition to that outside of white supremacism. That's a problem. In particular, when that threat is actually bigger, in my estimation, than whatever the threat of white supremacism white supremacism is, which is a threat, but I, to the degree that it's a bigger problem than everything that comes out of the left, I, I, I'm dubious to that claim. I've heard that claim, and I'm dubious to, the, to that fact for many, many reasons that we don't, I don't have time to get into today, but... It, there needs to be more of a balance, which will naturally bring everything back to the center where it belongs, where you don't have crazy radical shit because it goes away because no one listens to it because there's actually reasonable debate to be had in the middle. Yeah. Well, you I know, think that the, the reason or part of the reason, at least why that doesn't happen is from a, a game theoretic standpoint, the initial investment that would be required to make that happen um, is not really going to benefit anybody personally. <laughs> you know, it would take a lot of money to actually shift the media and to get those conservative investments to to get more conservative material out there. Um, and if it's not going to benefit anybody in a reasonably short term, the money just won't get invested. And you know, it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, 
you're going to be dropping millions and millions of dollars, you want to see some of that back. You don't want to do it just for the cause of a more balanced media, even though it costs you $100 million out of your personal wealth. That seems pretty unlikely that that's going to happen. So I mean, it makes sense. Um, it would it would almost require some sort of a, a you know governing body or whatever to try to mandate different viewpoints be distributed in a specific balance. And you know it would just be a fucking nightmare, frankly. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a clusterfuck that would have the ability to easily be corrupted. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, that was good. Yes, sir. That was a, that was a fun conversation. I um, I'm curious to see how uh, passports, vaccine passports, how they progress. We probably will need to come back to this in a few weeks or a few months, yeah. as um, as things develop, because we we may reach some form of herd immunity in June or July. Honestly, fingers um, crossed, baby. Yeah, at four million a day. That's if we're vaccinating four million people a day. Um, we could hit hit that pretty quickly, at least with yeah. one dose. And so, um, so we are currently just to, to throw some numbers out, and this data is, I believe, as oh, here we go, as of April fourteenth. So that's today. Um, in the United States, there have been one quarter of a million vaccine doses delivered, two hundred fifty thousand and change, and administered. Um, 194,791,000 and some change, um, which works out to people that have gotten at least one dose in the U.S. That's 37.3%. So we've crossed the one-third threshold and fully vaccinated is 23.1%. So we're almost a quarter of the way there. Um, or really, if we're, if we're looking at herd immunity and calling it 75%, we're a third of the way to fully vaccinated and almost halfway for the one-dose number. So we're making really good progress. Weeks. Yeah, that's smoking. That was in six weeks with, with shitty rollout. So reasonably in the next six weeks, we could probably more than double that. Hell yeah! But with better rollout, we might we. I mean, it, and that would put us into June. So, um, we'll see. Let's uh, let, let's. We'll obviously talk more about this kind of stuff as as we hit June, and so let's uh, um, let's keep an eye on that and see how that. Uh, how this progresses. I'm actually excited for us as a country as it, as I see this stuff coming together and us people getting more vaccinated and states relaxing rules a little bit and allowing for some leeway. The state of Washington is allowed for some leeway and how people, how counties stay in and out of the phases they're in um, to let people stay in phase three longer, yep. even though they may have, you know, it's like giving the trust to the people to make the right decision. We'll see if it pays off. Yeah. So, all right, I got to jump off here in a couple minutes, so let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. All righty, perfect. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode thirty-four. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or anything, let us know. Hope you enjoy the rest of your morning, your afternoon, or your evening. Take care, everybody. Peace. <laughs>